Unorthodox is reporting from Israel, which we're sharing on the show this week, was made possible thanks to support from the Natan Foundation, the Maimonides Fund, and Tablet. Hey there, it's Liel. And we're now on day two of Unorthodox's special week-long series of dispatches from our recent visit to Israel. Yesterday, we took you on a harrowing tour of Kfar Aza, one of the kibbutzim that was worst hit on October 7th. Today, we want to tell you a very different story, a story about the war's non-human victims, like these guys. That sound you hear? These are dogs, about 90 of them. They're here in Kelev Bamoshav, a lovely kennel in the small community of Tidhav, not too far from Israel's border with Gaza. And they're here because their owners were killed or kidnapped or forced to flee their homes on October 7th. Who's the incredible person who took them all in and who feeds them and cares for them and plays with them at great personal cost and without any certainty that any of these animals could be rehomed anytime soon? You know what? I'll let his father tell you all about him. My first son came here with me when he was three years old. He had uh, his next sister was one year old when we came here. And I think in the few months after we came here, I bought him a, a golden retriever puppy and he raised him by himself since he was three years old. And he, all of his life were, was around animals, dogs, cats, rabbits, fish. He raised them in all the free area that he found. He, he built them uh, cages and, uh, and yards that they can uh, grow in. That's Yaakov Shimshon. And the animal-loving young man he's talking about is his son, Roi. The Shimshons emigrated to Israel from Georgia, as in the former Soviet Republic, not as in Midnight Train 2. And they found their home here on this moshav, Life in Tidhar is charm. There are about 160 families living here, and many make their living working the land. If you buy a potato or an onion anywhere in Israel, there's a fair chance that it came from the fields that stretch right outside the small but gorgeous homes here. And because it's such a small community, it is often spared the rocket barrages from Gaza that are part of everyday life for larger nearby communities like Ofakim or Sderot or Nativot. So Rui used all this open and peaceful space to raise animals. And when he grew up and was about to join the IDF, Yaakov wasn't really surprised with his son's choice of unit. In the army, I was in Golani, and there was a place for him in the recon of Golani waiting for him. But he chose to be in Oketz, in the K-9 unit of the army. So... He made that choice and uh, he got it. And after uh, one and a half year in his service, happened the uh, Tsukaitan operation or war. And he came there. He's, it's a miracle that he's alive because he, he was uh, with the Maglan uh, unit in Khan Yunus. And uh, they came into a UNRWA medical clinic that they built. I've been in that clinic in 93 when we handed Gaza to the Palestinian Authority. And I know that clinic. In Tsukaitan, I brought him in the night to go with Maglan to that operation. 
And in the morning, it was, I think, something like uh, three or four in the morning, there was an explosion of 1.2 tons of TNT. He got an order a few minutes before from the commander of the Maglan unit to go out with his dog to find a tunnel entrance in the yard of the clinic. And then was the explosion and he was thrown from the, from the blast, something like 12 meters to the wall. And he, he and his friend from Ocas that was with him because his friend's dog was killed in, a, in another talent. Two days earlier, they weren't injured. All of the uh, unit of Maglan, there were three dead uh, soldiers and uh, 21 injured. Uh, injured difficultly and uh, some were a little bit uh, uh, injured uh, minorly. Uh, when he got back from the army, and he, he told me that uh, he wanted to be a dog trainer, uh, I told him that I will give him these 5.2 uh, acres uh, of land that he can build uh, whatever he wants and uh, do the dog uh, training that he wanted because he got two offers to do a uh, dog training in the army or to do dog training in Mexico. He was offered a lot of money to do that work and I told him he's not going to uh, do anything like that in uh, other places, only in, in this country. So I gave him this spot and he didn't need no psychological uh, treatment after the war. And he was, I think, he was badly damaged mentally from the, his experiences. And this uh, work made him whole again. So now it was time to meet Rui. Even though it's been more than a decade since he was in military service, he still looks in top shape like someone who could easily put on a helmet, grab a gun, and his trained dog, and run into combat. He invites us to a small sitting corner right outside his main kennel. There are two giant, beautiful gray parrots here. One is Ruiz, and the other belongs to a family from Kibbutz Nativa Asara that had to flee on October 7th. All around are also cats and goats and other animals you'll be able to hear occasionally during our conversation. So me and producer Josh Cross and our friend, tablet writer Armin Rosen, had a lot of questions. But the first thing Rui wanted to talk about was what life was like on that dark, dark weekend. The first time I met a family from Kibbutz Nirim. They are the first family that came here with the dogs. They are the parents of Rimon, one of the hostages. Uh, Rimon and Yagev. Yagev is her, her, her husband. They came here uh, early in the morning of Sunday after that uh, Black Saturday. Uh, they came here with the one dogs. They are my clients before the, that Saturday. Most of the dogs here are my clients before. Uh, so they came here and they came with two dogs that I don't know. And I asked them, who are the dogs? And they told me it's Ramon dogs. Uh, they're Ramon dogs. And I asked, okay, where is she? Where she is? Everything is okay? You know, like, like everything is, is usual. Uh, how, how is she? She's okay because, you know, there is misses. We, we, we heard about all the killings and everything, but I don't, I, I didn't even thought about that, that the parents could be here with the dogs in the time that the, the kids are, are in Gaza. I don't know. I don't, I don't thought about it. 
So I asked them, where, they're okay, where, where are they? And she told me they're uh, hostages. I, I've been here with my wife at the morning because I knew a lot of uh, clients will come here because it's happened every time that uh, all the kibbutzim and moshavim at the Otef Gaza, they get out and after the, all the bullshit stops, they're coming back. So I knew it was going to be. Me and my wife was here because no one, nobody wanted to come to work. Three of my dog trainers are in Miluim. The other ones, like Danielle, she is the secretary, she didn't want to come, you know, she's afraid. So she told me I'm, I'm not coming to work, and others too, like her. Uh, so only me and my wife were here. My, my wife heard it, what Avital, the mother of Ramon, said, and she started to cry with her together. They never met with each other, and she, she hugged her and everything, and both crying. I don't know even how to, how to call it. Um, they put the dog here, go out, not know even where. From that day until now, we are with 90 dogs every day for two, more, more than two months with a lot of stories. This is the first story. And after that, more and more stories of people from the kibbutzim and from the moshavim, people that only made the trip, you know, at the area. Bike riding, uh, running and everything. And it was the, the last uh, riding or last running they, they make in their life. Usual Saturday in the morning. And this, this is what uh, happened to them. Uh, and the families talk to us uh, that they need place uh, to take care of the dog until uh, the Shiva will end, uh, until they get uh, a new home. Until it will be possible to, to take care, you know, a, a dog because they, they, they can't even take care of themselves in these days. And this is the story. So there are it's dogs hard. here, people who are still hostages in Gaza, there are dogs here, people who were killed in the attack. There are dogs here, people who lost their homes in the attack. Yeah, all, yeah. All over. This... You need to, to know about this Saturday, during his work here, in uh, something like one and a half in the afternoon, he got a phone call from his uh, friend in the army that he was a police officer with uh, my cousin, the son of uh, my mother's brother. His name uh, was uh, Itzhak Bazukashvili. He was a police station uh, commander in Segev Shalom. And he got a phone uh, from his friend that told him that he thinks my uh, cousin uh, died. died because he was shot in Reim with an RPG to his uh, police. Uh, so I'm with my gun in my yard. His child is with my wife, and he and his wife came here to treat the dogs because they had no help in, the, in this day. And he maintained this work until today with 80 or 90 dogs in, in every period of time. You need to understand that in, in an usual, uh, ordinary day, we, we got here something like, at the most, 30 dogs. Not more than that. So his all uh, work until here is three times more than he has in an usual day. And no help. And no help. Uh, only after one week we started to call volunteers and... Uh... We have volunteers, uh, mainly uh, young kids, uh, 14, 15 years yeah, old from, from the Moshav. They weren't uh, going to school. 
their parents is, the parents uh, called me green, and asked me if, asked if me I can to, take to give them. them some work to do so they came here we have uh, something like five or six of them that uh, uh, replaced themselves and they come here and help in these two months from this uh, uh, moshab and what it's uh, even harder is think about it it's hard for us what the dogs feel all the bombs all the shooting sounds yeah anxiety. our anxiety you know it's it's, it's they're it getting reflects. it they're it getting it always on the animals so you need to work on yourself because i felt it when when i feel you know weak and the uh, anxiety and when the anxiety you know it's falling on me they feel it and they they getting you know disturbed uh, yeah yeah they they getting Nervous. nuts when they came here what what mental condition were they in uh, at the first days they was like you know uh, in freeze mood nothing you know it's like just like a, a doll not really a dog uh, because every sound make them uh, every bomb or every every shoot sound uh, make them to to freeze and they lost their people all of a sudden in this some of them yeah some of them environment they don't know yeah. some of them don't look on the all, uh, only on the environment when you switch dog from uh, one person to other person and uh, and the two persons are in anxiety the dog feels like no, no one can help me because only what what the dog only needs is someone to lead on someone to they can look at uh, I don't know what to say to me someone to give him confidence yeah and when yeah and when he don't have it he need to find it at the first weeks uh, it was hard for them to find it to the dogs so we we need we needed to to do it were they suspicious towards you guys were yeah, yeah 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 sure 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 yeah there is one dog, it's a famous video of him, uh, one dog, his name is Farid, was found in a car, all the car was uh, shooting uh, bullets, and he was inside. I don't know how many bodies were inside, I don't know how many, because I didn't bring him here, someone else uh, bring him. They called us if they can bring him to here, I, I told him yes. They tried, I think, uh, two or three hours to get him out, because he tried to, to beat everyone and to attack everyone. So we, they did it with a stick, you know, with, with a, something uh, that will not harm them. So they took him out, and when he when he has arrived here, it took a couple of hours, and then he, he became a friend of us. But uh, until he get there, if you didn't know how to come to the, to him, so this it was, a, was in a car with his owner, and we thought we thought that like this, we yeah. thought it was his owner, but no, this is even uh, scarier because he just ran away to that car. And get inside with that car. Uh, we thought it was the owner, but we searched on the chip on his neck and we saw a number. I called the number and I found the family. And she told me she is on the way to a lot because they are running away. And all the kids and the car are yelling, uh, You found Farid, thank you very much, thank you very much, keep on him, take care uh, of him until we come back. They didn't come back until now, two months. They, they didn't come up, came up even to, you know, to visit or something because. They, they are, I think they're very scared. And the dog is here. How do you approach a dog like this? What do you do? You need to show him that everything is okay and that you're not afraid from him because this is the only thing he needs to feel is that you're not scared uh, from him. Uh, and after he feels it, uh, he can trust you because he tried. He tried to, to ask you uh, 
I don't know, זה מאוד קשה באנגלית, וואי, בעברית אני, כי האנגלית שלי גרועה. תראה, מה ש... בעיקר... כן, בנקודות עצמן. הוא יותר הדקדוק, הדקדוק. בעיקר מה שאתה צריך להראות לכזה כלב, זה שאתה לא מפחד ממנו, כדי שהוא יוכל לסמוך עליך. למה זה ככה? כלב שרואה שאתה, כמו שאמרתי מקודם, שאתה אסרטיבי ואתה חזק ואתה לא מראה לו את הפחד, שבעצם הוא יכול להישען עליך, כי, כי הרי מה, למה כלב תוקף? זה מסיבה מסוימת, כלב תוקף שהוא מרגיש מאוים. Like a political kind of thing for exactly. this entire war. Is exactly. You, know. you can't say in a better way. This is the thing. And, uh, and uh, all the dogs are like that. They're even a bigger problem. Because, you know, uh, I wanted to help. This is why I took all these dogs. And of people like me wanted to help and, took, and take the dogs to take care of them. Until the families will come back. But not everyone do it right. Because a lot of people or families that took dogs, they didn't know how to... איך לאבחן את הכלב. Yeah, the dog, if it fits them, or the family, or the, you know, uh, or the kids and everything. Uh, and a lot of people uh, opened their heart, but not their mind. Uh, and after one or two days that the shock was, uh, the dog was like, uh, you know, uh, like in shock. They called uh, me. Yeah, uh, she, the dog started start, starting to, uh, to get... Uh, uh, Aggressive? Before the aggressive, he's starting to, the dog, הכלב מתחיל להיות יותר עם ביטחון, כי הוא רואה שהכל בסדר, והוא יכול... כן, והוא יכול לראות, והוא יכול לראות עכשיו מתחיל לבדוק, לבדוק מי יכול לעשות מה. זאת אומרת, מה מותר לו, מה אסור לו וכאלה, ואם הם לא מספיק מראים לו את זה נכון, כי הם רוצים לפנק אותו, למה הוא עכשיו עבר את מה שהוא עבר, והמשפחה שלו עברה, ואז הם רוצים לפנק אותו. And so then the families I call this is it's not shown yeah. dominance by the family right. that, yeah. that gets into and the, then the aggression the starts house. He, he, he gets dominant and then the aggression starts uh, yeah. most of uh, the aggression starts when uh, the dog don't have uh, don't have boundaries uh, because he don't know the people he don't know the the home he don't know everything and then uh, the siren starting again yeah. yeah and then he trying to escape. And then the people trying to hold uh, to hold him, yes. but he don't know them. What you holding me? Don't hold me. I don't know you. Don't do don't do don't do it to me. The dog, you know, he asks, and they keep holding them. How long can you do this for? Um, you know, three times capacity with a third of the workers, something like that. It's it depends. It depends on the people. mostly of the people, because uh, at the first uh, month, uh, I took everything on me. Me, my family, my friends around here and everything. And now uh, there is more uh, vo- vo- uh, volunteers that coming and we do, uh, I open the nations because what you asked, we don't know how long it will take. So we need to get prepared to two months uh, from now, three months from, uh, from now, we don't know. Even the families don't know where they're going to get back home. Uh, they don't have home. Most of the dogs that are here, in here, uh, they don't have a place to come to get back to. Uh, so it's, families, it's a good question. The families in the kibbutzim, uh, most of them of the kibbutzim that was attacked very badly, the homes are burned. They, are, they, they have no place to come back to. So this operation 
I know the animals treated him very good and make the, made him stronger. So these dogs will make the family stronger when they will have a place to come back to. The animals are a very good treatment to the family. And we see that in the photos of the, say, the hostages say, that came back in the last hostage that were released and, and the dogs met them. Ramon, I say it in Send a different it, okay. way. I say it in a different way. A lot of people ask me why I do it. And uh, it's, uh, I'm so good that I like the dogs and uh, I love the dogs and I love animals and everything. I like them. I love them and everything, but I don't do it for them. Really. I do it for the families because I know what they need. And uh, when all your world is gone and so you have even, even the little piece that a dog can give you, uh, from what you know, what uh, the world you had before, so you don't have the home, you don't have the garden outside. Some of them don't have uh, brothers, fathers, mothers, and everything. If they will come back and the dog will be will be there, it's everything for them. I know them. I I, I saw them, and I know myself. If I were in this situation and I will come back I and. After someone took care of uh, took care of uh, on my dog, and after all this, I will have my dog back. It's everything for me. You, dogs helped you a lot in your life. A lot. Dogs Tell and little ch children gives a person what's called unconditional love. Dogs, they don't want anything from you. They want your presence. And, and the love that go, a dog is giving a man, it's unconditional. So when they, they, these families that uh, their whole uh, life wa was destroyed and burned and uh, uh, thing, worse things than that, when they will have the, their dog uh, back, this love is the start of the growth once more. It will be the start of, of the healing. Of the family. You know, what was it like for you after after the army? Uh, hold on, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go in there. Shhh. Wait a And then, Roi did something incredible. He got up and said one word and prove to us why he's the Harry Potter of dog training, someone who possesses truly magical abilities. Here, have a listen. Die, die. Hey, 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 Booba, Booba, shake it. Shh. You see that? No, but it's <laughs> By the way, it's for, it's for short time. Fuck. That was amazing. No, no, it's for short time. <laughs> um, His master's voice. Yeah. Now, now it's getting back. Wow. <laughs> after, after this interview, he will show you wow. some of the capabilities of his dog. And yeah, they show, they, they, they show some. Yeah, yeah. some That's the craziest thing I've seen since I got here a week ago. <laughs> so you said that the way that you get the dogs, the way that you settle them down and uh, counter their anxiety is to like show them that everything's going to be okay. But people in this country, and from the sounds of it, you aren't convinced everything will in fact be okay. So how do you get into a mindset where you can help the dog? It's a good question because I, I tell you it in the straightest way. I'm lying to them. This is the dance. Like I'm lying to my son 
Like I'm lying to, you know, to my friends, my wife, everything, every time. You know, it it's, it's, was a hard question for me because I do it every day. I'm lying to them every time. See how, see how, how I'm reacting to, to that question. But there is no other uh, answer from this answer. Every day we need to lie to the dogs. But in general, dog, dog, dog training, it's some, some way lying the dog. Uh, when I'm telling the, my dog uh, to sit down and uh, then to do down, uh, I'm telling him that if he will do it, he will get something from this behavior that he made. Sometimes he gets it, sometimes he don't get it. You know, it's like to raise a little child. Be well, you get something, you know. So sometimes it's, you know, you say it for nothing because you don't, you want the dog to do what, what you wanted. And I say I'm lying to them because when I feel like shit and it happens, I can't show the dogs how I feel. I can't show the dogs that I want to sit and do nothing because I don't have the energy and I don't have uh, the engine to do something. They can't, they, they drive, they can't, they can't feel it from me, for, from me, because when I get here, when, when we get inside the yard, you will see it, they search for uh, energy, they search for someone to, to respond and to, uh, activate them, yeah. Yeah. your own experience after the army? After the army, uh, you know, every time that I think back, uh, years back, it's almost 10 years back. Without the dogs, I don't know if I couldn't uh, get to now. Because every day that I had them, it was the day that I need to come to get on my feet in the morning and uh, give them the treats they need to have. Play with them, train them, met with the, the families, because I'm a dog trainer. It's not only the dog, you know, there is always a family behind him. So every day that I'm training the dogs, I need to train the family too. I'm not only dog trainer, I'm family's trainer. Because all the problems that the family have with the dogs, it's, uh, with the dog, it's not the dog fault, it's the family fault. And then I need to change something in the family uh, behavior, uh, most of the times. I think that this, all, all, the, all the years that I, I did it, it made me stronger. And the dogs did it because I needed to give them every day for 10 years what they need. This place haven't been closed for 10 years. Never. One day. Yeah. We opened a small gate carefully and walked into the yard. You're always opening gates carefully here at Kelev Bamushav because there are always dogs running around enjoying the nice big lawns where they get their daily exercise and blow off some steam. But there are so, so many of them here right now, many more than the facility was designed to hold, that everything here works in shifts. Well, he takes first one group of dogs to the yard, then another group, then another group, then another group. He's never not working. He was just about to show us something. But Bell, a very sweet and very large black mutt, wasn't having any of it. She mistook our microphone for a ball, and so she jumped excitedly. And even if you didn't speak dog, you knew exactly what she was trying to say. She was saying, hey, hey, I need to play fetch. She, she thinks that it's, uh, it's a ball. 
This is why. <laughs> okay. So now that Belle was pleased enough to stop her manic jumping and trying to eat our mic, it was time to meet some of her yardmates. The story is this is Kishtu. This is one of the dogs of Yagev. He's, he's still in Gaza. Hostage in Gaza until now. Kishtu and Putsi in here. More two dogs in here. They are, they are uh, little dogs over there in the other place. And a lot of stories, a lot of stories. This one's, boy, this one's from uh, Nativa Asara. They were there two weeks alone in Nativa Asara. Now they are after a haircut, like you see. Aparva ita, kol asar shleim haya gamur al apanim. Kol haya al apanim, ken? That's one too. Azeh gam bitnat vutz. Aparit klavim shegiel tapel ba yitnat bitnat vutz le kede le le saferet amlo le mitakol. A dog groomer who came to as a volunteer because all these dogs were neglected for weeks. They were fine with their fur matted and. In bad shape. Which is the one that belongs to a hostage? Those two. This one. This one. Is that Pizzi? And that one. This is Kishtu. Pizzi and Kishtu. Pizzi and Kishtu. They have more dogs. Two dogs is here and one it's with Ramon. She were here all the time and when Ramon got got out, we took her to there, to Ramon. Wow. We took us into the kennel and showed us all the animals, telling us each story at length. This one was found by herself, neglected. This one is a doctor's dog, and his owner has been working nonstop since October 7, tending to the wounded. And this one, Lily, belongs to a reservist who dropped her off before going to war in Gaza. When he dropped her off, Foye told us, he was crying, just like he was dropping off a small child. There are Israeli dogs who fled their homes and ran into Gaza, only to be brought back by IDF soldiers. And there are stray Gazan dogs who bonded with the soldiers and hopped into their Humvees, begging to be rescued from the grim reality of Gazan life. And you could tell those dogs apart from the others, Rui told us, because they only spoke Arabic and did not respond to commands in Hebrew. But all these dogs are here and all are waiting for Rui to feed them, to walk them, to train them, to play with them. But doing that for so many animals requires tremendous resources. And on October 7, Yaakov told us, his son made a split-second decision. It was, it was a decision of a minute. In, on Sunday, that he started to get the dogs, he decided with himself in one second that he's not going to ask the, the clients for money. So some of them asked him if he, he understands what it means. It means uh, that he will keep the dogs with no money uh, for a long period of time. So he told them, he told me that, uh, because we needed to, uh, to deal with this obligation financially, he told me that and, and he told them that he thinks that it will be more than months. And, and it became true because we are now two months after it started and we are not seeing the end of it when uh, the dogs will go back to their families. Do you want any volunteers from the United States potentially? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, really? If, okay. if, yeah, yeah. When I saw the farmers that came yeah. here, yeah. Uh, so, so I, I just thought there is a lot of dog trainers in the US that, that I'm sure they, they want to, they will, will want to, but they don't know, they don't know that we have a problem 
with all the dogs like we have in the family. כל יום זה משהו כמו ארבע שקים, כל יום. כמה שק? זה נע בין חמש שקים, לא, אבל זה נע בין, כאילו המחיר שלהם, זה נע בין 150 ל-200 לשק. משהו כזה, 60 קילו של פוד. let's Every day. Hey, hey, Archie, die. It will be hard to find the, the right family for the dog. But we will, we will find. I hope Roy is right. I hope all these dogs would soon either be reunited with their families wherever possible or find a new forever home. But in the meantime, you too could help. We're going to put a link in your show notes. And if you'd like to help Roy with purchasing all those massive amounts of food and supplies he needs while he houses these dogs, please consider donating. Unorthodox is a production of Tablet Studios. The show is hosted by me, Stephanie Butnick, with Liel Leibovitz and Joshua Molina. We're produced and edited by Josh Cross, Robert Scaramuccia, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. And our team includes Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, and Daron Rusquet, with help from Sam Hacker and Jordana LaRosa. Our team on the ground in Israel was Leah Leibovitz, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, and Ellie Blyer. Special thanks to Tablet's Armin Rosen. Our episode art is by Esther Werdiger. Our logo is by Jenny Rosbrook. Our theme music is by Golem. We love to hear from you. Email us at unorthodoxatabamag.com or leave a message on our listener line, 914-570-4869. Until tomorrow, shalom friends, and Am Yisrael Chai.